Once again, Jason, Lee Summit Town Hall is brought to the people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Budget Blinds! They are great people, and here we are, the next tip of the week. All right, this one, I'm going to do it because I can't resist a dad joke. This tip sucks. Ha, 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 ha. Using the upholstery attachment on your vacuum is a quick and easy way to clean your blinds. You know a really harder way to clean your blinds? Ask your kids to do it. Uh, that's a way to never have your blinds cleaned. That's, that's exactly correct. They, they delay, they delay, they delay, and then they do a bad job. So it's great. So I think if you really want your blinds clean, you should follow this tip. Grab your upholstery attachment. Give a quick vacuum to your blinds. Get that dust and all those stuff off there. It's good for you. Another good tip from our good friends at Budget Blinds. Go see our friends at Budget right. Blinds in downtown Lee Summit right on Main Street. Tell them Jason and Nick sent you. Your best laid plans and the questions that you ask um, can go an entirely different direction than what you had expected based on what the responses are. And um, based on those responses is really where the story starts to you know take its own turn and so you're right it's it's really in the editing so especially when doc in, in documentaries when people ask me well you know what what do you how do you think this is gonna what's this gonna look like you know in the end and um i'll toot my own horn and say that whatever the video is at the end it's usually pretty good or fantastic or if people aren't crying then i feel like i haven't done my job but it's sometimes a finished piece can go an entirely different direction than what I had planned or the client had planned. And yet at the end, it's just as much of an impact, if not more than what they had expected at the beginning. This is Chad Godfrey. Welcome to the Friday conversation for Lee Summit Town Hall. My guest today is Chad Godfrey from Summit Video Services. Chad, we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of years through our involvement downtown and just various business things. You were even once a sponsor for some Lee Summit Town Hall things. I absolutely was. Back I mean, that, when you were the small guy. Back when I'm out. When no one knew who you were. I, I haven't been a small guy in a long time. Right. You're big time now. <laughs> well, I was just thinking size. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I brought you in this week because you put something out on social media that just grabbed my attention. I, I'm, I'm a bit of a history nerd. I love presidential history stuff. Me too. You popped out yesterday on Facebook a project that you're working on. You are restoring some audio files of an old Harry Truman interview that caught my attention. So I'm hoping other people like it, but really this interview is all about me. So, it's always all about you. Well, that's, 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 right. that's very true. Your listeners know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> all four of them know that this <laughs> right? is an exercise. Right. In is one of them ago. your mother? I, yeah, I don't even think I can get my mom. Oh, really? Okay, something. interesting. I don't know. Yeah. You know that would be in, my only listener. She's in Blue Springs, so, you know. Yeah, doesn't why, really care about yeah, the summit and yeah. all the successes we have over here. Right, yeah. She, well, it. jealousy. Right. Jealousy is what I always Absolutely. Tell right. Yep. So tell me a little bit of, about this project. I, your your video that you put on Facebook showed the picture of the real, the real plane. I, I'm just curious, where did this thing come from? Yeah. So that's a great question. And first of all, thanks for having me on the show. This is a, It's an honor. I really... Um, this oh, is fun. Honored. Yeah, wow. Yeah. How about that? Um, yeah. So, you know, we do a lot of different work for Truman Library. Over the years, we've done just a, a variety of different things for the library and for the Truman Institute. Uh, and um, this 
ironically didn't have anything to do with either. Um, <laughs> it was a customer that found us online. Um, she lives in the St. Louis area and her the power of Google, yeah, Google works, man, it's working. So yeah, she found us online and, uh, told me that she had this, um, this audio reel of her, uh, one of her relatives interviewing president Truman. I'm like, I'm in, you know, send it to us. Let's, we'll take care of this, you know? So she sent it to us and, um, yeah, it's, it's really just a short little highlight reel. Um, it's only about 10 minutes long. It's audio only. Um, it was recorded in 1963 and in St. Louis. And I guess as the story goes, uh, Harry Truman was there. This is of course way after his presidency, but he was, uh, a guest uh, speaker at the American Legion uh, at their national convention in St. Louis and um, just happened to be in the area and, and uh, this radio host grabbed him and, you know, he did a, a, a short interview with him. So the reel itself is just kind of a highlight reel of, um, I don't think it's even the full interview. It's just, just like clips. certain certain clips and things, but it was really interesting um, because he, he asked him a lot of things um, and, and one of the, you know, the thing that I highlighted was just kind of a simple thing because he asked him how his family was doing and how his grandchildren were. Um, and then he asked him some questions about the, the Truman Library, which at the time, you know, was not in full force. Um, they were still collecting documents. They had like some of his um, personal mementos, but they were still trying to collect right, a lot right. of items and things to, to really debut the, the library. But I thought it was interesting because he did, you know, he, he asked him kind of some personal questions, but he also asked him, you know, some political things. Um, did, you know, did you learn anything that maybe you didn't know? You know, the thing that, that I mean, I, I loved his response. If you, if you go to our, go to our, our uh, social media, you'll see the, the video. Um, it's just a short, you know, minute long because we made it for Instagram. But um, you can just you can hear his response. I guess the thing that really um, took me was just his personal candor. You know, I mean, he's just he's just seems he's just like the grandpa that, you know, you could just sit down and have a cup of coffee with or, you know, or a bowl of chili at Dixon's Chili or whatever, you know, right. And um, he just seemed like a really approachable. He had that, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of interviews of Harry over the years um, or seen presentations and addresses and different things. Um, but he's, he just, he has that Midwestern, you know, welcoming. That charm. I'm a nice guy kind of thing, you know, and not to get political, um, but you know, in our 24 hour news cycle, it's, I, I, I don't want to hear anything more about what the president did today, you know? Right. And, and so it just kind of made me hearken back to the way things were. And, um, you know, I just really appreciated that. He did ask him some political questions that I thought were funny. Like one of the ones was, um, he asked him about, uh, Barry Goldwater at the time and what he thought of him. And he didn't really have any comments because he was a Republican. And, right. And, uh, he said, well, you know, the, the radio host was like, so, you know, what do you think about the Republicans are going to run against JFK? And his response was like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know any of them. I don't really care. Cause I know that president, he, I think his quote was something like, um, he said, I, I'm, I don't even worry about him. Cause I know that, that he's, they're just going to get licked. That was his <laughs> phrase. They're going to get licked. And I thought, well, this is a Midwestern guy, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, for something like that, it was just, you know, just his confidence, but you know, just his, him just being so approachable, you know, just, like I said, just like that grandpa that you could hang out with. And I just, I loved that. But there, you know, there are a lot of associations you could make with today. Like there was a question about automation and 
you know, is there this worry that Americans are going to get replaced by robots and <laughs> automation and things? And you think about it, you know, these are things that we're dealing with today, too. You yeah, know, how has that conversation like, changed from 1960 right, to, yeah. to, to now? Yeah, if you think about Amazon and, you know, these huge warehouses that are being run by robots that are doing all the fulfillment and shipping and all that sort Will of stuff. Will drones be bringing us and Amazon deliveries? Exactly, you know. So I just thought that was interesting, you know, that they talked about automation and that that was a concern in 1963, because in a way, it's kind of a concern today, too. Right. So, and, you know, bits and pieces of the space race and Red China and just different stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I was just really moved more about the personal nature of the questions about his family. And, and then, of course, you know, being a history buff, I really liked, you know, what he was talking about with the library and what his goals were for the library and, and what he wanted to do with it and that sort of thing. So it, pure, it was just a cool project. A purely selfish question. Will the entire thing be made available for public to listen to? Um, you know, I, I would have to get full permission, um, for that, which I haven't asked for, um, from, from the customer. So it's about uh, me, Chad. Yeah, I know it is. So I'll, I'll do what I can and I'll see, I'll see what I can do. I'd be interested to hear the little clips about like yeah. the space race and stuff. Cause that was yeah. such an interesting time period. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, you get to do a lot of kind of restorative projects, things, people find something, they bring them in. What else goes on at Summit Video Service? I'm assuming that's not the only thing that that puts food on your table. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, our business is really unique in the sense that I don't think that there's really any other business, especially in Kansas City, that does kind of the breadth of services that we do. So we do a lot of of the archival transfer type stuff, which I know you know about, and a lot of um, people maybe that are listening maybe know a little bit about what we do. But for instance, what I mean is like people could bring in, like individuals or families could bring in old VHS tapes, and maybe they want them on DVD or they want um, digital files like MP4 files. Or Betamax. Something. Uh, they could bring in Betamax. We, we have uh, machines that will play Betamax, wow. believe it or not. But we go way back further than Betamax. I mean, we've got one-inch open reel tapes. We've got three-quarter-inch Umatic. I'm talking a lot of geek speak here, but these are like old-school you know, tape machines and things. And um, grandparents are great grandparents. Super eights. We do super eights. We do eight millimeter. We do 16 millimeter. We do eight track recordings, wire recordings. You've ever heard, you know, wear a wire that actually came from uh, a technology called a wire recorder. We have one of those and we can play, you know, audio recordings back or restore them from a, from wire as well. It's literally a spool of wire. When was the last time you had to break that equipment out? Um, wire. Yeah. We had we had three spools of wire come in this week. Wow. No joke. That yeah. So that so those are like from the 1940s to 1950s, right. and then they were replaced by reel to reel audio recordings, like the one with Truman that that you know we're just talking about. So um, the we'd, same thing with video. Like we do all the video transfer. We also do photos and slides and negatives. So essentially, we say anything you can see or hear, we can convert it or repurpose it and archive it so that you can share it, um, you know, or just have an archive of, you know, whatever that media is, you know, in today's format. Um, so it can just be preserved and, and enjoyed and cherished. So, so that's half of our business. The other half of our business, and, and by the way, we do that for not only just individuals, but we do it for museums. Like I said, the Truman Library is a customer of ours. Um, we do it for the National Park Service and National Archives. Um, so we have a lot of kind of cool stories, you know, of, of different pieces of history that have happened. Now, that being said, some of it is just mundane. You know, if you can think back to maybe if you 
um, had a VHS of your, you know, the 1987 Parker family reunion in, right. at a city park. Yeah. Or, or just you sitting down in the basement opening Christmas presents, you know, for th- two hours. Right. Everybody wants to see that. Right. Like me. Absolutely. So, I mean, th- we get a lot of that and that's, that's mundane stuff. My GI Joe and Transformers gifts that I got were pretty incredible. <laughs> they, and how cool would it be to be able to see those again and to hear your high pitched voice? Oh yeah. Yeah. And oh, yeah. that was probably back in the days when you were little too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 How about that? So yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the everyday stuff. But the other half of our business is production. So we do video production as well. Um, we don't shoot weddings, but we do a lot of uh, corporate work. Um, we do a lot of documentaries, uh, a lot of promotional videos for products and services for businesses and nonprofits. That you sort said of thing. with quite emphasis there that you do not shoot. We weddings. We do not shoot weddings and. That is like a natural progression for every video company in the world, it seems like, to do weddings. And I have no desire to do weddings, never had a desire to do weddings. That seems we'll like edit a them stress that to bring I don't ever want to have. Well, I have three kids, and I don't want to give up my Saturdays. Um, and, I, I, I mean, no offense to anyone that's getting married, but I, I don't want to hang out with your mom and you and edit for hours on end or days or weeks or months yeah. on end. You know, for a very that just seems payoff. like too much pressure. Yeah. So when I started my business 15 years ago, I said, "Nope, not shooting weddings. No desire to do that." So we refer it out, I and mean, we get and we get requests every week. You know, emails from people or people that pop in. Hey, I want to I want to book you for my wedding. And I'm like, "No, you don't. <laughs> we don't do that." But I hear, here's somebody that does. You know, so so that's the only real like production we don't do. You know, we do a lot of, but we really focus more on the corporate stuff and the nonprofits and. Um, a lot of stuff for small businesses and things. So, yeah. I do want to talk about one uh, production thing that you're working on now. You're work- yeah. You are working with Drum Farm. On oh, a, yeah. On a, on a big piece for their 100th anniversary. That's not least Summit specific, but it's 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 area. It, it, local. Yeah, it's right here in the area, right? Drum um, Farm's an independence. Uh, but that's a that's a pretty cool story. And there's a neat story in our region about about Drum Farm and who they are. Why don't you start off a little bit and tell people what if they don't know. Yeah. What Drum Farm was and is and, and then maybe what you're doing right now. Yeah. Well, so Drum Farm is um, it's right on Lee Summit Road in Independence. Uh, it's kind of that little campus on the hill. Some people just know it for the golf course that's up there. Um, and I, I think a lot of people don't really know what Drum Farm is or what they do um, They're They've been around since 1919. Um, and uh, they're, they're basically an incredible uh foster care system is essentially um, they have a campus there where um, foster kids can 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 you know obviously live there um, but the they're the only place in the county that an entire family of foster kids can stay in one house in one place so I mean you could have you know uh, a family of six or eight kids and anywhere else in Jackson County they're going to be split up all over right, the county. Right. At Drum Farm, they're actually all under one roof, and that's insane. It's so cool. Um, but they also have um, a, an entire program that's focused on uh, aging out of foster care. So these are kids that are, you know, 15, 16, 17 into their early 20s that, um, you know, may have been couch surfing, you know, in high school um, that are homeless otherwise. Um, and uh, so they have a, an application process where uh, a kid can apply um, to be a part of this program. It's called the Compass Program. Um, and they uh, can essentially, uh, you know, live on the campus there. Um, and they're actually building some other housing off of Chrysler and some other um, – they're expanding, 
you know, their reach. Um, but they help them, you know, find work, whether they're working physically on the farm. And it is a farm in a way. I mean, they're not, they have some livestock and they do, you know, some crops and some things, but it's not, you know, it's not a huge right, farm right. like it, you know, was this big, you know, amount of property way back when, right? But how did how did how did you get connected with them? How did this relationship start? You know, I've done uh, this would be like the third year that I've done work with them, uh, and it actually all came from a referral from a customer that was um, that I'd done a lot of work for over the years, and um, she was a member of the board, and they were looking for um, you know new video company to produce some of their uh, materials, and and um, so that relationship started um, 2016, and um, you know. It's just been really great for us. Um, you know, everybody that works there is just so genuine and just super fun. Um, and and this is the impact that they're making on these kids and the community is like, I mean, it brings tears to my eyes almost just thinking about it or talking about it. So what draws you in on projects like this? I mean, I, I, I kind of like to sometimes dig into the storyteller yeah. side of things. I mean, so what 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 draws you in and what are you trying to do when you when you get these clients? Well, you know, I'm I'm very compelled, just like you, by story. And, um, you know, they have an incredible story to tell. Um, this year, they're celebrating 100 years. They started in 1919. Um, I can go on and on about Drum Farm, and I probably will. But, um, again, to see what they're doing and see the transformation process in some of these kids. Um, like two years ago, we did a production for, uh, for them in which I featured – uh, a kid that um, was going to Winnetonka school uh, in high school, um, basically like kind of flunking out, and he was living with um, his dad at his dad's girlfriend's house, um, and that relationship was on the rocks, and they somehow got kicked. Like the, the his dad and the girlfriend got broke up, and they were kind of out on the streets, and he somehow found out about Drum Farm through his counselor, and they ended up he ended up applying and becoming a part of this program, and. Um, you know, I mean, this was a broken kid as a sophomore. And, and for the last uh, part of his semester, they were still driving him to Winnetonka from Independence, you know, either through a taxi or right. someone personally driving him every day. And then um, then I think he, at the end of the year, had transferred back to Chrisman. And um, and now this kid is like, we're, we're, we're going to do a follow-up story now, following him where he's at now, because he's now um, applied and been accepted at Honeywell. Um, for like this full-time position that's like insane for a kid that never would have had any of these experiences or any of this exposure at all, um, you know, that was probably destined to just repeat the same cycle of poverty and, you know, make many of the mistakes and lots of trial and error and so forth. And here he's like completely rehabbed over this two-year period. And now, we have footage of him from two years ago, you know, standing outside at like 530 in the morning, you know, waiting for his ride. And it was cold outside and all this stuff, getting ready to go to school. And and now we're going to you know, be able to show, wow, look at this transformation and look what this kid's doing now. So like stories like that, you know, are just crazy to me to be. I mean, that draws me in. It's that kind of that intrinsic, you know, um, almost that primordial sense of you have to eat. You know, so what are you going to do and how are you going to get from A to B? So I've gotten really drawn in on that. But the project that we're doing right now is this huge 100-year celebration. Um, and it's a documentary about Andrew Drum 
And um, we're working with, uh, they, they've also hired a writer, um, Brian Burns, who's a, a retired writer from Kansas City Star, is writing an entire book on Andrew Drum. And he's doing just some incredible research. Um, and the story of Andrew Drum finding, um, it was basically newsboys in Kansas City that were living in the alleys. Right. And it's insane because the story seems like it's straight out of Dickens, you know. Um, but he had basically, you know, taken these kids in and given them opportunities to work on the farm and live there. And now, 100 years later, look at the impact. Are you, are you working with him to kind of so that your stories I'm working match, side by side or, or with Brian. do you have your own? Well, so Brian is doing specifically a book about Andrew Drum and kind of the impact of the foster care system. But he's got a lot of different sidebars because, you know, Andrew Drum had um, – he worked in the banking industry. He was a cattleman, so he also – um, you know, uh, moved cattle from Texas into Kansas City, you know, mm-hmm. into the West Bottoms. Um, next week, I'm going with uh, Brad Smith, who's the executive director, and we're going to Cherokee, Oklahoma, um, to do an interview there. There's a, a monument to Andrew Drum in, in Cherokee, Oklahoma area, and uh, we're going to interview the family that's there. Um, but essentially, he had, Andrew Drum had uh, basically made an agreement with the Cherokee at the time, the indigenous people, um, to run his cattle through their land in Oklahoma. And um, it was unlike any other agreement that had been made at that time, because here's a guy that respected the indigenous people and respected their land and wanted to make sure that they were, you know, fairly compensated. And it wasn't this colonialist, you know, I'm just going to take your land and uh, unheard of my, for that time period, move my cattle through here. Yeah. So, um, so that's like one of the sidebars. And so to answer your question, I guess, a long way around it is um, we're kind of following a bit and pe- bits and pieces of Andrew Drum's life and sort of the impact at the beginning of, um, you know, starting the, the institution or the, you know, the, the organization. Um, but then we're moving on as from the documentary piece to kind of where they are today and where they're going in the future, you know, for the next hundred years. That's a, such a huge, broad topic, a hundred years of one organization that has yeah. obviously made innumerable impacts oh, yeah. on people's lives over that stretch. Of yeah. There's how do so you, many stories too. How do you wrap your head around it? And, and I've never done any kind of documentary work. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a newspaper writer, so we didn't write long very often, right? Right. Um, so how do you tackle something like that? How do you hone in? I mean, are you picking maybe, you know, a handful of different stories to tell? How do you wrap around it and then try to produce something that's, you know, in a time frame? Look, you're, you're not Ken Burns, so I don't think you can get away with... No, I don't have 100 a, people a hundred hour, A 100-hour right. documentary, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, no, so how, and- do you, how, how do you wrap your head around it and then put it into a, you know, a packageable piece? That's a really great question because, um, that's good. Cause I think as, I made up a word. Well, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, as a documentarian, as someone that, that makes these kinds of productions, it's, it, it's a very difficult question to answer because a lot of the footage that we shoot is based on stories and, and what people tell us, you know, through interviews. So, and obviously no one's over a hundred years old that we can really interview that would have right. been around at that time. So um, we are interviewing several alum uh, people that were, you know, were there in the fifties, sixties, seventies um, people that have kind of lived in the area that's seen the transformation. Um, like I said, we're going to Oklahoma and get kind of that sidebar story. Um, we're looking at, 
lots of other little areas, um, you know, around Kansas City and, and the impact that Andrew Drum may have had. But the the challenge then is to take all of these stories from these interviews and then put something cohesive together. Right. And and that's um, that'll be that'll be the challenge. So it's really hard to answer because I'm I'm at the mercy of what people tell me, you know, in the interview process so of what I is and it, through the questions that I ask them. Does the story really come together then in editing? Whereas, really you know, does. I think about if you make a, you know, if you're going to make a movie or a show or something, you, your story's in the planning because that's how right. you set up your. So in a documentary, does your story really come out in post? It kind of does. Um, I mean, because your best laid plans and the questions that you ask um, can go an entirely different direction than what you had expected based on what the responses are. And um, based on those responses is really where the story starts to you know take its own turn and so you're right it's it's really in the editing so especially when doc in, in documentaries when people ask me well you know what what do you th- how do you think this is gonna what's this gonna look like you know in the end and um i'll toot my own horn and say that whatever the video is at the end it's usually pretty good or fantastic or if, if people aren't crying then i feel like i haven't done my job but it's sometimes a finished piece can go an entirely different direction than what I had planned or the client had planned. And yet at the end, it's just as much of an impact, if not more than what they had expected at the beginning. And that's largely because you're at the mercy of what people tell you and the stories that they have and what they want to share. I mean, you could ask them a question that they may not even want to answer because it's either too emotional, um, you know, or it's, they just don't have a response to that you know and you feel like it's going to go a certain direction and it doesn't it does, goes entirely different way does that affect how you prepare for an interview and i know this might get inside baseball for you know people like you and me who, right. who like to ask people questions yeah. and, and sometimes get paid for it uh, does that does that affect how you how you prep for those kind of interviews do you just do you just kind of go in knowing yeah this is going to go somewhere it it does because you have to take the person into account Right. So um, I know I, I know very little about the woman and the landowner in Cherokee that we're going to go interview next week. Do you like to be overly prepared? What, I, and I guess this is more a question of, of your style. Yeah. I don't like to know too much. Yeah. Because I don't want to be locked in to, to I'm a that way too. Thought, and, but. and my interview style is typically that I don't like to give people questions ahead of time. Like, it's always if you're doing corporate work and you're working with big time executives, they always want the questions ahead of time. It seems like because they want to feel prepared and right. you know be succinct about their. But responses. I don't want a prepared answer. I don't want a prepared answer either. I'm exactly where you're at. It's just like in news gathering. So for me, um, you know, I have to take that person into account. Like I know very little about this woman that we're going to go interview. I do know that you know we're going into the small town, and you know it's like a a, a big um, it's an oil town big on oil and in in this area um so it's it's a lot of blue collar people i'm probably going to stand out like a sore thumb you know i'm going to look like freddie mercury going in there (laughs) but um and i know she's also a little timid about the process because here's someone quote unquote from hollywood no lee summit um coming in and bringing some cameras and lights and sound and whatever but i try to put people you know at, at ease and and make them comfortable and say hey this is you know yeah all this stuff is out you know, cameras, lights, whatever. But this is a conversation with you and me. Like, pay no attention, you know, to the guy behind the curtains. I think those first 20 minutes or so after you get the equipment out and you're just talking are are some of the most important time you spend with somebody. Before you hit record, 
just letting everybody get comfortable around, about what not just the equipment, but you know the topic, what you're talking about. And that's yeah, a, that's I really a, don't want them to think about you know, and and that's why microphones I, are I try scary. Not to Cameras to, are even scarier. Well, they are, and I try to get people not to look at the lens. You know, it, there's a specific type of video where people address the actual camera and look into the lens. But for documentary work, if you look at any, you know, um, Ken Burns or any other documentaries, they're always looking a little bit off to the side of the camera because it's a conversation. And that's what I really always try to advocate is just to try and get people as comfortable as possible so that, you know, you get the content that you want. Is is, is that a hard thing to do? I, I obviously operate in a audio medium, so I don't use camera very often. Um is that hard to get people to to not look at the big scary thing off to the side? Um, it it can be. I mean, it depends on the person. But um, you know, it's like you said. Once you kind of get them settled down, and you know, you get that cup of coffee or whatever, and you're having the conversation, then they kind of relax, and you get that, you know, the, their true emotion and their their real response. It sounds like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that maybe that's kind of your favorite part of the process. I really like the editing. Though, do you? Too. I mean, I, I love production. I do. But I I love the editing, at least in, in instances like this, because that's really where the story starts to come together. Because you get a response from one person, and then you cut to a response from somebody else that could have been shot six months later or earlier and completely out of context. And yet the responses from the two different people somehow have a symbiotic relationship together and they help tell the story in a way that's a, in a different light. So I, I just, I, I like the editing process really because then it's like, Oh my gosh, this is all coming together now. Finally. <laughs> it, it, is that what you wait for? Is that kind of that surprise moment that says, Oh, here's my story. Kind of. I mean, like I said, I tried to be as prepared as possible, you know, through the interview process and so forth. But at the same time, I, I can't anticipate what they're going to say. So, you know, it's only after that, you know, after the interview that I can go back and look at the dailies or look at the footage and and really start to glean. Here are the parts that I want to use, you know, in the edit or in the final mm -hmm. story. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll um, ease everyone else's pain, and I'll stop the inside, <laughs> okay, insider talk. Sure, um, sure. Actually, I, I think that was that was really cool. I, I, I like, I like hearing your thoughts and your process on that. Before we wrap things up, though, I do want to get into a, 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 there is a a local project you're working on. You're working with the Historical Society of Lee Summit. You are working yeah. on on a project for the museum, Lee Summit at War. Yeah. Um. Tomorrow, actually, uh, I'm gonna interview uh so today actually because oh i'm sorry we're, we're gonna yeah. post it on friday okay yeah, we're posting friday today's thursday right now sorry for messing up your timeline if you're listening to this you just you just broken through the was it the fourth wall fourth wall sorry uh, sorry oh man sorry mom it's my mom that should be the only one that's probably listening to this well or ben martin sometimes listens oh. our local theater guy okay, yeah. so he might be mad at us hi ben so yeah i mean um we're gonna we're gonna interview uh tomorrow uh a hundred plus year old lee summit resident who served in World War II, and um, I'm real excited about it um, because um, I hear he's quite prolific and he's very with it. Um, you know, it's one of those things when you think, oh, man, 100 years old, this guy probably doesn't buy green bananas anymore. we got to get in there and get this done quickly. <laughs> but, I mean, this is a spry individual, so I'm real excited about it um, to hear some of his stories. Um, he uh, has a 
a history of um, a lot of like middle school and high school kids now would know him from elementary school um, when he would go and visit. Wow. I know he was at, he went with um, into Richardson and uh, Underwood and a couple of other, I think Lee Summit uh, elementary school and, and talked to kids about, you know, World War II experiences and stuff. I can't imagine how interesting that would be as a fourth or fifth grader hearing some old guy talk about World War II, but maybe it's very captivating. I, I would think I grew up, my grandfather was a World War II vet, so I grew up with not all of the stories because that generation didn't tell all of the stories. Right. Um, and I, I'll actually, I'll, I will tell you that when my grandfather died and my two uncles and I were sitting at the table planning his service at the, at the um, funeral home, we realized that each of the three of us had three different parts of the story of when he was wounded oh, in the Asian theater. Yeah. And so, like, none of us had knew it, knew the entire story, but it took that kind of just us sitting down to uh, to, to put it together and and, and we th- get what we think is, is the full story. So, yeah. yeah, that generation was a little different. They didn't – they Very they tight-lipped about especially military experiences, yeah. And and the heroes, the ones to talk about, were the ones that didn't come home. They didn't want to talk about themselves. Right. But to, to – and I have a, a friend that um, took his grandfather to Washington, D.C. and did the, the whole um, – the flight and everything mm-hmm. recently over the last couple of years. And just all the things that he learned about his grandfather that he never knew, you know. And, and those moments in which his grandfather finally opened up. You know, and and you know it, how emotional an experience it, it was for the. What, what did they call those? The, the flights. Um, the victory. No, I'm sorry. I know, and I now I'm not going to have it either it. for you. It's on the tip of my just tongue. Just edit but this part out. Yeah, we'll just we cancel. <laughs> I, you know, it, and I don't want to get too much on myself, but those those moments are powerful when they open up, and I'll, I'll tell the the quick story when. Um, Honor. Was it an honor flight? Honor flights, yes. Yeah, yeah there we go. See, I now, we don't, even, now I, I don't have to edit. Google. I don't have to edit now. When uh, Saving Private Ryan came out. Yeah. And the, the D-Day scene, mm-hmm. which was incredible. And my my grandfather, who, who was not in the European theater, was in the Asian theater, um, watched it with me one time on VHS. I had come home from college. I was yeah. – uh, and he, he asked me, he's like, do you want, do you want to watch this? And I'm like, uh, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> and we sat and watched it together, and I had this incredible conversation with him. We ended up turning the volume down in the movie. This incredible conversation with him about his experience and what he felt, like the emotions that went in. And and he says, you know, they, I wasn't in that one, but they got that right. That's what it was like hmm. going – up to the beach and he was in some of, of the major Asian theater battles even though his he, he got injured early so he wasn't there long um, yeah but yeah it was just it was an incredible eye opening and here I am probably 19 20 years old and my generation you know we we were kind of before and after a lot of the conflict so I, I knew very few people of, of my age that had been right. been in combat and so I had no frame of reference for the things that he was saying, the things that he was describing. And he tried to tell me, he tried to explain to me what that kind of fear was like. And I have no perspective no whatsoever to what relate that to like. that except to, except to just be in awe of what he and his his generation had to deal with. Yeah. 
What an incredible experience that right. had to be. And and now I have I have in my house in my office at home I have the flag that draped his coffin and I have his bronze star and his purple heart. So very cool. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. So anyway, I, it got back to me again, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those stories are absolutely incredible, and um, I'm really excited about that project tomorrow. It's just going to be a quick one. I mean, we're just going to go in and interview it, and you know, interview him, and and you know, maybe an hour or two. I don't know how long it's going to be. Do you know then, when that will be on display or available? I do not have a timeline for that. I suspect the video will be ready before the wall will be ready. Right. And by the wall, I mean the U.S. or the Lee Summit at War uh, exhibit. Right. right. Not any other wall. No, right. We're not building walls. No, we're not building walls. But uh, I'm excited about that um, because that that um, also we've we've made a couple of other contributions to that exhibit um, because the the exhibit, to my knowledge, kind of starts with the Spanish-American War. I don't think we right. really have much like Civil War um, material or content. Um, but yeah, it's it starts at Spanish-American War, so 1890-ish, something like that, um, up until you know today. But um, we we restored a, a photo for a customer that had a grandfather in the Spanish-American War, and so I know Kathy Smith has kind of been in contact with her, um, you know, to use that photo. It's kind of a really cool one. Um, and we've had some other ones of in Lee Summit history um, where I've been like, hey. You need to talk to Kathy Smith and and be in touch with her about this because she's going to go gaga over right X whatever it is you know so um, yeah and we've got a couple of other things in in that exhibit that at least I'm anticipating that they'll be there so yeah that'll be cool well we started off telling people um, that Google works but just in case they can't get to the Google machines. Tell everybody how they can find you and Summit Video Services. Yeah. So Summit Video Services, we're right uh, here in downtown. We're uh, next to Libations, which is next to the Stanley Event Center, right at uh, Douglas and 3rd Street, so 21 Southeast 3rd. And uh, we're the one that has that cool 16-millimeter camera that that uh, Fossil Forge made for us, the sign that's uh, sticking out from the brick. I should give you an award yeah. for, for pimping, like, four different downtown businesses at the same time you're doing Yeah, this. I did. Well, I love downtown. I mean, I absolutely, we, could, we could talk for a day just talking about downtown. I mean, you and I are both members of the board, so we're a little bit— a little you know, biased. A little biased, but yeah, I absolutely love downtown yeah. Summit. It's we, just we incredible. Do. We've done incredible we've done long episodes on it. I try I know not you have. to uh I try not to get too deep into the things that I love all the time. But But you don't talk to many people that do really cool drone photos of downtown. Th- that's I mean true. I'm gonna toot my own horn again. There's we've got some pretty How cool fun content. Is it doing, doing <laughs> flying the drone. It's pretty fun. It is it is uh it's pretty fun. As long as you you know you don't get too many people that try to bother you while you're flying, you know, and ask you all the classic questions like, "Is that one of the really expensive ones? You know, do you have a license to do this? How often do you fly this? Have you ever crashed? Do you it? then pull out your your 007 license to kill? Right, my Part 107 Part 107 ah, license. There, yeah, there it's it is. The FAA Part 107, ah. which is a an actual license that you have to certification that you have to get to fly commercially. Wow. By flying commercially, I mean using a remote control to fly a remote control quadcopter but it's that's that a pilot's cool. license technically people should check out that stuff on on your social media channel yeah so yeah sorry facebook.com slash summit video services um check us out on instagram as well summit video services uh also on twitter summit video s s how do, how do, svcs i think because i couldn't get services all the way out through on that one um twitter's and, mean that way and our website too yeah summitvideo.org so yep Wow, you're a .org. We are .org. Yeah, we're .org. 
that's a, that's interesting. I don't see that very often with business. Chad, thanks yeah. for coming on this week. That will wrap up our Friday conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's a real honor. Aw, shucks. Hey, and welcome. One last thing. Welcome to the Repeat Guest Club. Yes. That's we'll, so exciting. We will tell downtown Main Street's Julie Cook that you're 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 gunning for her award. Nice. I think That's, she's I think she is the most visited guest. Is that right? Yeah. Well, she is the hostess with the mostest. She is. Yeah. She does have a lot of info. Well, that's that's pretty cool. That's almost like one of those Saturday Night Live awards, like, you know, to be the guest host and, you know, come I, back. I'm thinking about like having a, a Steve Martin kind of I'm thing. I'm thinking about having a jacket. When you hit 10, you get a jacket. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, let me know what I can do to Two down. help earn that. There you go. Yeah, there you go. That, that'd be great. I appreciate it. You can subscribe to Lee Summit Town Hall on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast apps. We will be back on Monday with the news link. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ryan Waters here with Shred. I'm telling you guys we're going to do a live podcast event here at the Bridge Space on February 28th from 7 to 9. Come check us out. We'll be doing it live in front of an audience here. We're going to have tickets for sale here very, very soon. We're going to have lots of giveaways while you're here. Everything from gift cards to membership to training packages. Also, we're going to have vendors that are also going to have giveaways as well. We're going to be covering nutrition, fitness, mindset, motivation, anything you guys need to know about living a healthy lifestyle. Come check us out. Stay tuned. See you on the 28th of February right here at Bridge Space in downtown Lee Summit. Ooh.